welcome to the Vineyard Cincinnati podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast. And uh, we have also shared a couple of testimonial videos to kick off each Sunday. The first one was shared by Randy, and Randy shared how um, he came into faith, how God pursued him. Then um, Parker shared how he shares his faith. We all have stories. Stories um, we are taught in the Bible. These stories transform lives, and I would encourage you, don't hold your story. Share yours. Share it with us so we can share it with others. But today's story is from Larry. Larry... Oh, what a blessing Larry is. He retired and came back to work, not because he needed money, not because he was bored, but because God called him back into the mission field so he could disciple others. Let's take a listen to his story. Hey, VCC, Larry here. Here's a snapshot story about my Dominican friends. There are many Spanish-speaking men and women at the manufacturing facility where I work. In order to learn Spanish better, I began to eat lunch with my friend, Robinson. The plan was I would teach English, he would teach Spanish. Over the months, our friendships grew. Each day, we continued to eat lunch together. If I missed a day at the table, I was asked, where were you? Discussions and teachings were spanning two tables now. I gave them all a VSTC Invitation card with a brief expo. Robinson hurt his shoulder. We prayed in the name of Jesus. Healing came. Other healing prayers were answered here and in the Dominican Republic. Praises. The Lord had given me a word in the night from John 4.35. Look, I tell you, open your eyes. See the fields? They are white under harvest. Soon after this, Alfonso and Robinson came to me and shared, when are we going? When are we going to church, to Iglesia? The VCC prayer teams had prayed for the Dominican families. I was able to share, in two weeks we go. The awaited Domingo arrived. The Dominican families came. Jenny and the Connection teams welcomed them. The families came to service and heard the message in Spanish. They used the Interaxial app. They loved it. Celebrations on high were on the grand scale. Celebrations in the VCC were happening. Praise the Lord. Thank you, VCC. You know, why do I do what I do? You know, the Lord is on the throne. He's given us the Great Commission. He's given us the house. All the New Testament books are pointed to churches, local churches, where the Christians gathered. This is where God's word is magnified. We do what we do because he is coming again. God bless. So I I love Larry's story because he's just an average Joe. He's an average Larry, right? He just loves Jesus and wants people to know the love of Jesus. He, he went back to work so he could share the gospel. He didn't need to go to work, but he wants to be a part of the gospel message being spread. And you know, I, I know we just celebrated Pastor Appreciation Day and, and had us stand up and you guys pray for us, but here's, here's what I, I, I want you to know. Every one of you in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a pastor. We believe in the priesthood of all believers that if you've said yes to Jesus, you believe he lived, died, and rose again, you, you repent of your need and invite Holy Spirit to come to you, you're now a pastor and you're called and invited to be and bring the gospel of Jesus wherever you go, whether your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, wherever you go. And you have no idea who you might impact. You have no idea that you might be the only Bible some people ever read. Your life may be the only Bible some people ever read. And that also means your your life may have a contrary effect if you don't live it well. I was in college like three years ago. Um, yeah, I'm 39. Anyway, the, um, but I was in college several years ago, 
And I was in my agnostic slash atheist phase. On my best days, an agnostic, meaning I didn't know what I believed. On my worst days, an atheist, there is no God. I'm my own God. But I would regularly and often have these, there's got to be more moments. I mean, I was a popular kid in college. I was president of my fraternity. So it wasn't like I was, was in prison, drunk and strung out. I, I, was, I was that guy that like, I had everything you're supposed to have to be happy, and I wasn't happy. There's got to be more. And so every once in a while, I would go to an, either an intervarsity meeting to look for more, or I'd sneak off to a church to look for more. Maybe they had some answers for me. And this one particular time, I went to a church, and I sat in the back of the auditorium wearing a ball cap, not wearing a coat and tie because I was not a churchy individual. And this is back in the 80s when there was a lot more churchy going on. And I'm sitting back there in the back row saying, God, are you real? If you're real, would you show me? Show me that you're real. And as if on cue, all of a sudden this hand slaps my head and knocks the hat off my head. And I turn with this angry look, and there's this older gentleman wearing a coat and tie. He goes, how dare you wear a hat in the house of the Lord and disrespect God like that? I almost hit him. Because I wasn't a Christian, it would have been okay. It's never okay to hit somebody. And and I said, you got to be kidding me. And I pick up my hat, and I give him a few choice words, and I go storming out. And driving in my car back to campus, I'm like, seriously, God, if you're real, is that seriously the messenger you're going to send to me? Something in that moment kept me in the game. There was enough people in my life, my dad, my mom, my brothers, my sister who loved Jesus that I thought, well, there's something there. They love Jesus authentically. There's something there. And just three days later, I got hit with a massive fever, about 106 degree temperature. I passed out in my fraternity house. They rushed me to the hospital. And while in the hospital for four days, I had three visitors. My girlfriend at the time, one fraternity brother, and then the arch rival fraternity president, who he and I were friendly, and he showed up three of the four days. The other ones just showed up twice. He showed up three of the four days, brought me food, brought a deck of cards, we played, a, we played cards, we hung out, we talked. He asked me every question known to my life, to know me, hear me, like, like six hours sitting with me, just listening, asking questions. And I talked, and I talked, and I talked. And on the third day, he finally said to me, do you, do you wonder why I'm here? I'm like, yeah, actually, I, I mean, I do. We're friends, but like, you're not one of my best. I mean, like, our tribal fraternity is, is like a Democrat visiting a Republican, a Republican visiting a Democrat. We didn't cross party lines. We hated each other. So he shows up for six hours to give me that kind of time. I said, yeah, actually, I do wonder why you're here. And he said two reasons. First, I love you. Now, that's not what dudes say to each other. Right? It's not common. I was like, love me. He goes, no, no, I, I love you as a human. I love you as a child of God. I love you as a friend. And number two, I want you to know the love of Jesus that I've experienced in my life. And I want you to know how much he loves you. Can I share the story of Jesus with you? Do you think I said no in that moment? I was like, absolutely, share away. And he shared his story and he shared the gospel story with me. I did not pray to receive Christ in that moment. It wasn't like I did a prayer to receive Christ in that moment. I I listened and I said, thank you so much. And then he left. But in that moment, in that two-hour time, he redeemed what the jerk had done just three days earlier. He redeemed and undid and started me on a closer path that my folks have been moving me on, my, my brothers and sisters have been moving me on. And, and I just think to myself today, what if he had not gone to the hospital to see me? What if he had not taken the risk to share the gospel of Jesus with me? What if he had stayed silent or cared more about what I thought than what God thought? Thankfully, we'll never know. 
I, I don't know what would have happened. I believe God's God. He's the drawer of us. But all I know is he took the risk and had a radical impact on my life, so much so that the people that touched my life are the reason why I'm here today. And every one of us in this room are here because someone took the risk to share the good news of Jesus with us. The fact that Jesus lived a perfect life, God in the flesh, that he died a horrific death on the cross to set us free from our sin, that every one of us is sinful. And he rose again to show us he is the powerful, good God who can set us free from our sin. Every one of us is here because someone shared that story with us with their lives, and with their words. We get to. We need to. It's our privilege. It's our challenge to be people that show and share the gospel to everyone we come in contact with. That's why we're doing this series, How to Share Your Faith and Not Be Weird. We want to learn how to share the good news of Jesus in a loving and compelling way that is neither rude nor judgmental, but is full of grace and full of love and full of the truth of Jesus. That's our call and our invitation. And remember, we're talking about three things in this series. We gave you each a card the first week. And remember, these cards are not supposed to be handed out. You're not supposed to walk up and say, hey, read this. No, no, use it as your guide to think and prompt you to think, how do I hear someone else's story? How do I learn to share my story? And how do I learn to tell the story, to hear their story, to be curious, to ask lots and lots and lots of questions. And then secondly, learn to share your story. All of us have a story to tell. Be authentic and be real about story. There's no perfect people in this room. And then lastly, learn how to tell the story on the backside of this card. Be bold and tell the greatest love story ever told. And there's just six steps to tell the story. And it's just one way to tell it. There's multiple ways to tell the gospel story of Jesus. Pick one. Now, every one should involve the incarnation of Jesus, that he came to earth as the perfect son of God, that he died on a cross to set us free from our sin, that we're all sinful, and that he rose from the dead to set us free from our sin. That's the best story ever told. And remember, as we said a few weeks ago, it's not your job to save people. No one in this room is ever going to save somebody. The Holy Spirit does the saving. It's your job to be faithful and show up. Be, be, be available and be faithful and show up. Be, before I talk, we have a special guest here that's going to come share with you about how he shares the gospel without being weird, although he's one of the weirdest people I know, who I love because I'm weird too. Uh, before he shares, I just want to say, I think there's two primary reasons we don't share the gospel, two big lies that we hear that prevent us from sharing the gospel. Now, here, here's the two, I think. We think that my story isn't good enough and we think I don't know enough. And I just want to blow those up and say that just couldn't be further from the truth. The enemy wants you to think you don't have a good enough story. And the enemy wants you to think you don't know enough. Here's the deal. If you've recognized your need, if you've admitted your sin, and you've encountered Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you're an authentic, real person, you have a story to tell. And in many ways, by the way, the best story you could tell is one that I felt like I had it all together, but I recognized my need. And Jesus met my need. And I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. And, and if you think you don't know enough, you don't. None of us know enough. You don't have to go to cemetery to know everything, right? Like, like, all you need to know is admit your need. Holy Spirit comes in you. You've encountered Jesus. And then you share your story and the story with others. I mean, you learn some of these things, but it, it, if the Holy Spirit's in you, you know enough. And you can point people to the direction of knowing more. Can I just, can I just say, Jesus's first two missionaries that he sent out knew virtually nothing. And they were people that the world rejected and Jesus accepted because that's what Jesus does. He picks people everyone else rejects and says, I see you, I love you, and I'm inviting you to go share the story of my love with others. The woman of the well, John chapter four. I'm not gonna go into that one in depth today, but this woman that had five husbands, she was like the town prostitute. She's at the well in the middle of the day because no one else went to the well in the middle of the day. She was full of shame. And Jesus encounters her, loves her, tells her of his love and says, now go back to your village. And she shares the gospel with her whole village and they all come to Christ. The least of the least who knew nothing, had no theological training. And my favorite one is Mark chapter five. It's the man of the tombs or the demon filled man. Jesus is on his side of the 
the Sea of Galilee. And he gets in a boat with his guys, his disciples. He says, let's go cross the sea for one reason. And crossing the sea for a Jew was crossing the abyss. The abyss was like, to them, water was dark and scary. And you don't cross the water unless you had to. Even though they were fishermen, they were afraid of the sea. And Jesus crosses the abyss, hits the beach, and everyone knew across the sea, the Galilean, the, the, the Gentile territory was a guy in the tombs. He was the demon-possessed man. He was filled with a legion of demons. That's anywhere between 1,000 and 6,000 demons. He was sitting in the tomb, night and day, shouting, cutting himself. They tried to chain him, and he would break the chains with his superhuman strength. Everyone in the region knew about him, and everyone was scared of him. They avoided him, and he comes running down the hillside towards Jesus on the beach. Jesus steps out of the, the boat, walks up. He slides on his knees in Jesus's, in, in, before Jesus, and the disciples are stepping out of the boat. Like, We're getting back in. And Jesus looks at this guy, and they start to have a conversation. And the first thing the demons say to Jesus are, what do you want with a son of man? Son of God, what do you want? Imagine a 1,000 to 6,000 demons. What did that sound like? What do you want with us? Had to be spooky and airy, eerie, and he's wide-eyed and wide-haired. Jesus isn't afraid at all. Jesus just loves. And then the demons say, as if to say, we know you're going to cast us out of him. We know you're going to win. Don't kill us. Or don't send us in the abyss. Send us into the pigs up on the hill. Now notice, this demon-possessed guy didn't, didn't repent. He didn't like confess some knowledge. He didn't have any schooling. Jesus just looks, get out of the man. And the thousand to 6,000 demons go into the pigs and the pigs rush off the hill. Now they got pork soup for dinner. And the townspeople are like going, what just happened? They run back to their town and they go, this guy, Jesus, casts out the demons. We're afraid of him. And they all come back to Jesus and say, would you please get in the boat and go back? I mean, he just does this amazing miracle with a guy that they all knew. And they say, would you go back? So Jesus starts to get back in the boat and it says, the demon-possessed man is sitting there now, dressed and in his right mind. He's had an entire change. A metamorphosis has occurred. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. We're now led to believe that he's received Christ as his Lord and Savior. He knows nothing. He's had no schooling. And he says to Jesus, would you let me go with you? I need to learn from you. Let me go with you. He knows nothing. And what does Jesus say? You'd think he'd say, get in the boat, let's go. No, here's what he says. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the demon-delivered man begged to go along, but Jesus wouldn't let him. Instead, he said, go home to your own people, the Decapolis, the Gentiles, 10 towns, region. Go home, tell them your story. What I, your master, did, how I had mercy on you. The man went back and began to preach in the 10 towns area about what Jesus had done for him. He was the talk of the town. Come on. Like, you don't think you know enough? You don't think you know enough? You know enough. I mean, many of us, we're full, we, we, we've had years and years of church history. And we're like, I don't know enough. You know enough. If this guy could do it, we can do it. Just step into your communities and tell of what Jesus has done for you. Listen well to people. Know their story. Share your story. And then tell the story of Jesus. I want to invite a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours, up onto the stage who does this really well. Would you invite our friend of yours, Raul Latoni, to the stage? I promise you, I'm not going to knock your hat off your head. I think it looks good on you. So uh, give us a quick uh, update on where you've been the last year. We, so so we, we, sent, uh, we, we helped send Raul down to La Perla in Puerto Rico. It's a small part that I'll tell you about in a second. And we are supporting his mission. And uh, we've given $20,000 from our Give It All Away campaign um, to support this mission. And we support him as well. And by the way, later you can find out if you want to support him, we've got a way for you to support him. Come talk to him or see his, there's an email online. You can go check out to figure out how to support him. It's an international fund. Anyway, aside from that, tell us what have you been doing the last year? Yeah, first and foremost, just want to thank uh, you uh, for um, 
being my shepherd, uh, even while I'm away, you know, keeping in touch. Uh, I want to thank Vineyard Cincinnati for the opportunity of uh, stepping out into, uh, into the dream of living uh, and ministering unconventionally. Uh, it's been a thrill. I know some of you have uh, already had an opportunity to give and that, you know, we truly appreciate uh, that. So I've been spending most of my time uh, living as an opportunist, or as I like to call it, I am a Kairos practor. The word Kairos is the word uh, in Greek for opportune time, the right time. So I I live life on... Kairos practor. Yes, I I am. It's really good. I will adjust you if you need (laughs) (laughs) to. Um, so, you know, uh, I believe that every encounter with yeah, another... It came off your ear. Got oh, it. yeah, got okay. It. It's the hat. It's the hat. <laughs> I, I knew I shouldn't have worn it in church. Uh, so every encounter is not, is not coincidental. It is providential. Mm. God does not work in coincidences. He works in providence. Providence is the outworking of the rule of God over all of creation and the sustaining of that creation and the movement of that creation towards his ultimate goal of redemption. So in every encounter that I have with another human being, I prepare myself to, um, to receive something from God through that person, whether they're saved or unsaved, because sometimes some people are so super saved they cannot receive from people that are not in the family of God. Yeah but the Holy Spirit moves upon them as well. Hello. And, <laughs> and then that there's something that I can contribute, whether it's in a word of encouragement, whether it's a word to, you know, uh, to spur them on, to ask themselves the existential questions. You know, ultimately, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men so that all men will ultimately revere them. More than you think of, uh, of this God is always working in the hearts of men, and they're asking themselves, what in the world am I here for? They're going through adversity so that they can ask themselves the existential questions and ultimately come to the knowledge of the Savior. So we've had encounters of all sorts with all people, wherever they happen to be. And, um, you know, I just want to share three quick ones. One of them was an encounter with this homeless man that we met, my wife and I, and we walk around. And every time we would see him, you know, he had a dog, he put a hat and glasses on, and we, we, we would hug on him, whether he took a shower or not, or was in between showers. We, you know, we just hugged on him and kissed him and whatever. So one day I felt prompted from the Lord to ask him for his name, because until then he was anonymous to us. I couldn't tell you who he was. And, and I went up to him and I said, hey, listen, what is your name? And he says, uh, why do you want to know? And I said, well, you know, I, I believe that your parents, when you were born, they gave you a name. And I said, but most importantly, that the God of heaven knows you Amen. by your name. Amen. He was stunned and, you know, and just, and then he told me his name. Sadly, three weeks after the fact, you know, uh, uh, they found him floating on the shore. Somebody had assassinated him. And, uh, you know, so... I don't know if that, in that instance I was one to sow a seed or to water the seed or that God, if God gave it the increase of him coming to faith in the Savior, but I was glad that I was able to do my part because I believe that every encounter is providential. The other one is an encounter with this man who used to be one of the largest mega pastor churches in Puerto Rico. So you know that I, I am not super saved. I love smoking cigars. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, not the skunk wheat ones. I'm talking about real cigars. I do have a condition, anyhow. Uh, Anyway, so. And and I'm smoking a cigar with my wife. You know, we're sitting out in old San Juan, and this man comes, and he starts talking about cigars. We start interacting with him. Come to find out he used to be a pastor. He left the pastor 14 years ago after pastoring large churches, mega church pastor, whatever. And um, we realized soon that he had the need of hearing not just the gospel of grace, but the grace of the gospel. Amen. A lot of us Christians are so familiar with the gospel of grace, but we're not so familiar with the grace of the gospel. So we took advantage of the opportunity. We gave him some, you know, the Lord gave us some Bible verses. The Lord gave us some word for him. And we say, listen, brother, just want you to know that God has not rescinded his calling upon your life. You used to pastor from a pulpit 
And now he manages a car dealership. I said, now you pastor from behind your desk. So, you know, the Lord has not rescinded that calling. We gave him a word of encouragement, and he was, you know, uh, blessed by that. Last one, I met this uh, uh, Franciscan monk, and uh, we have theological conversations, so on and so forth, but we focus on those things that we have in common as Christians and not on the things that we disagree upon. And one day we're having a discussion on the street, and next thing you know, a woman walks up to him and says, hey, are you a priest? And he says, no, I'm not a priest. I'm a monk. She says, can you pray for me? She was speaking English to him, and, um, and he doesn't speak that much English. And he says, well, why don't you pray for her? And here's a, a supposed evangelical and a Catholic joining in ministry, prayer ministry, ministering to someone in prayer. I said, I will not pray for her. You pray for her, and I'll translate your prayer to her. So, you know, every, um, every encounter is co- not coincidental, but providential. providential. We're able to just jump on it and take advantage of it. Wherever we are, when there's opportunities. And, and one of the things, Raul, uh, when he and Adele went back down to uh, San Juan working in La Perla, they wanted to have an unconventional ministry. Tell a little bit about La Perla. Mm-hmm. And, and the town, we got a couple of pictures. But tell a little bit about La Perla and, and what the ministry is. And we got a group going down uh, in your sexy pants right there. But tell, tell a little bit about the... Uh... <laughs> Those, those are the church pants. <laughs> uh, anyhow, you messed me up. <laughs> okay, La Perla. So La Perla is a community that's uh, nestled outside of the walls of the city of San Juan in between two of the uh, fort, fortresses built by the Spaniards. At the time, in the late 1800s, the Spaniards wanted to have their provisions near the city of San Juan, but they didn't want the smell of blood from animals being slaughtered inside of the city. So outside of the walls of the city, they built a slaughterhouse. The only people that were allowed to work there were people that were uh, not allowed to sleep or live in the city of San Juan, which were Puerto Ricans from the mountains or black Puerto Ricans. So these people were the ones that started working there, and these were the people that started building a shanty, uh, shanty town around La Perla. At its height, uh, La Perla had over 3,000 residents. Today, after the aftermath of hurricanes, earthquakes, this, that, and the other, it's 450 to 500 people still living in La Perla. As a matter of fact, one of the Fairly impoverished. Fairly impoverished. Very impoverished. uh, One of the projects, uh, the group that's going down with me, we're going to be cleaning debris from uh, the hurricane that happened six years ago. So, um, So that's where we are. You know, we're there. Um, and one of the things, you know, and the ways in which we share the gospel is that we're focusing more on being less preachy and, you know, preaching less and living more. That's right. And what we do is we almost make it impossible for somebody not to ask, why in the world are you doing what you're doing? So, um, you know, my wife bakes, and she makes great rum cakes. If you're too saved, you can't have it, but <laughs> I eat them. <laughs> And she gives them to people that she feels led to give them to. And they're like, oh, this is so delicious. And why would you do this for me and whatever? If I had a dollar for every time somebody asked us, why do you do this? Mm. And my answer is always this. God has been so good to us that we wanted to share a little bit of his goodness with you. Mm, So it's just a a great way uh, to share uh, the love of God and, you know, live in love like Jesus, and, and allow people to just ask themselves, you know, man, I want to know your God. If he's that good, I want some of that. So um, that's so, how- so the, the reality is, like, a lot of the people in La Perla have heard the gospel. They've heard the words of the gospel. Very few have actually experienced the words. So tell, tell about how, and that's a lot of people we, we, we encounter. Even though they need to hear the words eventually, we need to show and then share the gospel. Talk about how you share the gospel. What, what, is, your, what is your approach? Because I think you're a master evangelist and a very natural, he's one of the greatest just people-loving people you've ever met. So talk about how you try to share the gospel with people. Yeah, but I, I am uh, largely, you know, relational in nature. I used to, so I used to share the gospel with people uh, whether they wanted it or not, <laughs> not being aware of where Jesus was at work and joining him where he was at work. And I think one of the keys of you know, God is always at work. Jesus says, my father always works, and I'm always at work as well. It's for us to know when, when God has prepared those 
opportune times and people are open and receptive, you know, how do you discern the spiritual temperature of somebody? You know, asking a spiritual question, man, do you, do you go to church? You know, do you, you have any spiritual beliefs? You know, asking questions of people, um, putting, making people scratch their heads. You know, you know I, I, I used this one on, on someone that was serving me at first watch. I said, man, do you ever wonder if there's a God in heaven? I sounded like the most agnostic or atheistic heathen. I am, the heathen part I will own. But, <laughs> and, and the person said, of course there's a God in heaven. And it just led to, you know, so, so asking questions, having opportunities to probe for spiritual temperature. Jesus himself said, you're going to go into places where they're not going to be even receptive to your salutation. And on those places, you're not going to throw the pearls to the pigs. You just, you know, uh, what does it say about Shake sandals? The dust off Shake your feet. the dust of your sandals. I'm forgetting English now. Uh, and you, you keep it going. Because why? Because you are being efficient, kingdom efficient. Oh, I want to talk, let me just say this. Uh, you know, sharing the gospel with people is sharing about the grace of God. The grace of God gives us kingdom security. The favor of God gives us kingdom efficiency. Whenever God is at work, you will see that things happen. Words come where you didn't think you had words. People come to an understanding. Light bulbs go off. It feels like a hot knife mm. through butter. It's mm, good. It's good. God can accomplish in five minutes of obedience what it would take you a lifetime to accomplish otherwise. And that's one of the signs of seeing God's favor upon that situation when you realize God is at work in it. Oh, that's good. But you have to be ready. So you have you one have to of be your ready. favorite yeah. verses. Yeah. You have to be available. So what's one of your favorite verses? Yeah, so First uh, Peter 3.15, you know, it says, uh, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for the, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So uh, I, I, call, I call this, you know, and Peter's encouraging people that are going through suffering, but he's encouraging them with the good news of the gospel. You read chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1. Then chapter 3, he's encouraging them not to stop being witnesses even in the midst of circumstantial suffering. There's the three Bs of, uh, of uh, sharing without being, without being weird. There's a first B is be ready. Being ready is a matter of trusting and entrusting. Trusting is believing that God is ready, that God is able and willing to heal, save, and deliver. Entrusting means that you place your confidence and you live like you are convinced That's right. that God wants to use you to save, heal, and deliver. Two different things. Trusting and entrusting. The Catholic, as a good Catholic, I used to leave my home in the morning. I used to entrust my life to God by doing the sign of the cross. How do you entrust yourself to God on a, on a daily basis? How do you put yourself on the same page? How do you come to the acknowledgement, God, you are at work in my world, and I know you've selected me in spite of me to be part of your redeeming plan. Secondly, so this, yeah, secondly is be expectant. As we spoke about already, this is about providence, realizing that no encounter is coincidental. Everything is providential. God is at work, is at work around us. Uh, and uh, so you need to be expectant. You go out there, and you know, there's a great book, by the way. It's called Hearing God in Conversation. So if you have, haven't read it, you should read it. Because we realize that God is always speaking, we're not necessarily always right. listening. Uh, and lastly, uh, we need to be humble. When I went to La Perla, you know, I, you know, I went there and I said, you know, here I go, you know, seminary trained, you know, former Southern Baptist, you know, redeemed Southern Baptist. <laughs> That's my Puerto Rican Southern twain. Um, and, um, and, and you go there thinking that you have a monopoly on the gospel. Sometimes we as a church, we view ourselves as we and them yeah, out there. Yeah. And we think that God has not been preparing the way. The bottom line, the Bible says that nobody comes to Jesus unless the Father draws him. Sometimes you're going to meet people that God has prepared them, and you're just a mouthpiece to communicate what they need to hear, listen, and obey. And uh, so uh, God has spoken in creation, 
right? Generally, he has spoken specifically in the scriptures and ultimately and supremely in the person of Jesus Christ. Do not assume that just because some people don't go to church or are not evangelical, that they're outside of the realm of the scope of God's redemption. Um, the, another good thing to think about this in being humble is, uh, you know, whether you're quali- you think of yourself of being qualified or not, you have seen and experienced something if you call yourself a believer. You, your sins have been forgiven. You've messed up more than once. God has forgiven you and given you a thousand chances more than once. Uh, share the triumphs. Share the defeats. Ask appropriate. Don't be an exhibitionist, a spiritual exhibitionist. Share the glory and also be open to share the glory. As a matter of fact, Jesus looks better against the backdrop of my brokenness. That's right. But sometimes we are so caught up in pretending like we have it all together. You know, one of the greatest things that you can do is realize that you don't have it all together. We're a work in process. Uh, witness, is not, witness is not what you do. It is what you are. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, you know, uh, that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh, and you will be my witness. You've seen something. Even if it's a little bit, you know, God's been good to me. God forgave me. Man, I struggled with, you know, this addiction or whatever it happens to be. God restored my marriage. My kids are, you know, walking with the Lord. Whatever it happens to be, you can share. Uh, listen more than you talk. Ask questions more than make declarations, provoke people to think. Uh, stop pretending that you have it all together. You don't. And that's why some people, we make the message, Jesus is believable. We make Christianity unbelievable right. when we try, try to pretend like we almost walk on water. Um, count conversations as not well conversions. as conversions. In some instances, you're not going to see a, an immediate reaction, but you don't know if God is prepping that person for somebody else that will come into their life and share the gospel, and ultimately, they will come to faith in Christ. Remember that God has always used reluctant people. Moses was reluctant. Jeremiah was depressed. Elijah was scared out of his mouth, mind, and Isaiah had a potty mouth like Matt. <laughs> but God still used them. Amen. Uh, <laughs> Amen. Come on. <laughs> yeah, truth of the matter, it's not about being qualified. It's about yeah. being available. 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 So good. Man, I could listen to him talk all day. Couldn't you? Let's, um, I want to invite prayer teams down. I want to invite prayer teams down. Don't go anywhere else. You're stay up here. Where are you going? Oh, Come on up I'm here. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, by prayer teams down. And if you're going to Honduras this week or you're going to Puerto Rico, we've got 13 of us going to Puerto Rico, come on down. We're going to pray for those two teams as they go to just be lights, to share the gospel. And uh, for the rest of you that aren't going on a trip this week, you are on a trip where you are. In your neighborhoods, at your school, at your workplace, at the grocery store, you have opportunities to just see people. You have opportunity. One of the things I want to encourage you, one of the things he does really well and I try to do, is I try to, and it's, it's an idea I got from a guy named Bill Johnson, call out gold in people. And don't use that word, but just call out gold. Say, let me tell you what I see in you. Just this past Friday, I have the privilege of leading King's High School football chapels. And all the whole team comes, and most of these kids are checking out Jesus and just sit. And afterwards, there's a young man that I pulled aside. I said, can, can I just share? And, and I didn't say the words I want to call out gold in you. But I said, let me tell you what I see in you. And his eyes immediately popped with tears. And he said, thanks for telling me that because I don't see that in myself at all. And I just had an opportunity to pray for him. It's, you have no idea what, what moment of grace you can bring to somebody else just by being aware, being, being ready, being expectant, and being humble. So would all of you stand? And we're going to pray for these. We're always going to pray for these teams. He's going to pray for you to be evangelists in our area, where we're going. And then we're going to sing this song called Available. Just ask the Holy Spirit to make us available. So Raul, pray us out, and then we'll lead into Available. Sure.
So Father, I, even as we think of uh, what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, about hearing other people's stories, sharing our own story, and ultimately sharing this story. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes, our ears, that you would fill our hearts with holy expectation, divine curiosity. Father, that you would give us grace and favor as we move among people in our work, in our neighborhood, where we happen to be. Father, we pray uh, that you would uh, just uh, allow us to entrust ourselves completely to you, believing that you want to do a work and that you want to do it through us in spite of us because of who you are. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit, Father, to be upon uh, these two teams, these teams that go to Honduras, go to Puerto Rico. We pray, Father God, that we may make the most of every opportunity, Father God, be bold to declare the truth of God, that we would know, Father God, that it's not only about a truth encounter, but also about a power encounter, that they may encounter the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy God. So, Father, we pray for greater boldness and effectiveness. Father, pray that you would allow the fact that we are your witnesses. We've seen something. We've sensed something. We've experienced something time and time again since we've come to know you. Father, help us to talk normally without religious lingo, simply to share naturally about your goodness, oh, Father. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. As we worship, if you want prayer to come be available, come down and get prayer. If you just want to kneel down at the floor and say, God, I, I give my life to you. If you want to pray to receive Christ, do that. Let's worship.
you down to get prayer for anything. If you want to recommit your life to Christ, you want to give your life to Christ, you want to ask God to help you be available, if you want to pray for non-Christian friends. We also have a, our word slide on the screen here that, that these, we have friends that, that asked the Lord what might be going on in our body, and they gave us these words. If this is one of you, if, you, if you're one of these things on the slide, you're like, man, that's me. Come get prayer. A couple things I want to remind you. We have a party out in the atrium to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. Out there, you can grab these cards which you can invite a friend. It has Spanish and English on the card. Just invite them to church. Or you can grab those cards that remind you how to share the gospel. And lastly, I just want to say that, that uh, if you are moved by what Raul's doing and want to support him, come talk to him. He'll be down in front. He'll be in the atrium. We also have a link online. You can email us and ask us about our international missions thing to support Raul. But we believe in what he's doing. And so thank you for all that you do in this church. And bless you guys to go. And be and bring the kingdom wherever you go. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast.